Virtual Theater, the podcast that's usually about video game movies and the stories that shape them. We've been on a little bit of a Matrix bender the last couple weeks, though, and I am not upset about it at all. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Gooey Fame. Goo, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I'm, I've am i taken the red pill. I'm ready. Hell yeah. That's my, my podcast <laughs> enthusiasm <That's>, voice. <laughs> that was the big line right there. We both have seen... The Matrix Resurrections. We're just going to jump right in here, folks. Uh, we, we both went and saw the movie. Um, I actually, I took my family to see it. So uh, me and Sam, her parents, and uh, my brother-in-law and, and his girlfriend all went and saw it. And uh, the only people that liked The Matrix Resurrections were me and her dad. Everyone else is like, ugh. <laughs> oh, no. And, well, you know what, though? Um, I feel, I mean, I feel like that's kind of been the the reaction right from a lot of people is is like the oh this movie is no good like i think ign gave it like a three and was just like this is so laughably like bad that it can only be enjoyed as satire and and so like when i when i saw that and then when i see this movie uh, it's just like wow it's just i don't know maybe Maybe I'm a Matrix apologist, but like I feel like there was so much good about this movie. Yeah, you know? well, I wouldn't say that's the overall reaction. Um, I, I also wouldn't say it's like polarizing, but it is one where I've seen like, you know, just as many. You know, I've seen like people who really love it and people who really dislike it, and I've seen a lot less of like middle ground you know what i mean <laughs> like if i haven't yeah. seen a lot of people who are like kind of mixed on it or anything i mean i feel like there there never was really a, like even if you go back to the sequels and i think everybody liked the first matrix but then the sequels were obviously very divisive like mm. i i feel like this had the exact same kind of reception as a lot of the sequels did maybe a little bit harsher when it came to the matrix but i also think that's because like we're more jaded now and like in some ways, I think a lot of people wanted this project to, like, fail just because it seemed like one of those typical, like, dip into an old franchise for a cash grab kind of deal, which I don't think it was. But no, I, I feel like uh, I feel like the, the sequels got, like, the same treatment, and they got rehabilitated, in, by and large, over the years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think, well, there will be, you know, there will always be people who really aren't a fan of either, but... um. I don't know. I I mean, I've seen different reactions, like, you know what I mean? I've seen people who are like, didn't like the sequels, didn't like this, but I've also seen people say, like, this one is good, unlike the sequels, you know? I don't know. I guess that's interesting to see the different range of responses, but there's so much more, you know, nuance and stuff that you could talk about in the movie, you know, rather than... Just like I, I liked it, I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Like I've even read some. Right. I've read some good critiques of it that were not positive about it, but it was like cool, cool to see like an actual perspective I found interesting. You know? Because I've also seen a lot that were just people who I feel like woefully misunderstood the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I didn't read like IGN's response, but like what you said is interesting because that's that's sort of how I feel like some people who responded to it in a way that wasn't really like 
like wasn't really engaging with the movie, which is the statement you said of like this can only be enjoyed as satire, which like yeah, the movie is a satire. <laughs> like so, you know what I mean? Like that's part that's an element of the movie, I think. So it's certainly a big part of of especially like the opening act of the movie. Yeah. Like the, the first like the first act of the movie is basically kind of all commentary and satire on like a, on like a bunch of different topics. Yeah, like, ex- exactly. And I think if you're not able to get past that, then it's like, well, I can see why you would hate it, but like yeah. that is something that is part of the movie. That's not, you know, and, and I've I've seen people who are aware of that. <laughs> and yeah. take it in good faith and still didn't like it and it's like okay but yeah when you're kind of willfully misunderstanding the movie then it's like I don't even know what to say to you yeah uh, yeah to add to that um, I, I don't think it was a perfect movie that being like my, my comments earlier being taken into account like there are some definite things that I was just like huh and things that I still don't necessarily understand or did that didn't make sense sure um, yeah but yeah like I like I feel like for me, I'm kind of at the point now where I like watching a movie and like thinking about it and like just kind of asking questions or like what would I I don't know movies that engage me. And like I went and saw Spider-Man after this and like it was it was good. You know, it it's it is a good movie, but that's just one of those ones where like you see it, it's done and you just it's like, okay, like it's like eating McDonald's like it, it. fills you but yeah. it's not like i don't know what i'm trying to say here but it's not protein yeah yeah right proteiny enough it tastes it tastes good it goes down easy but it's not no one's gonna sit here and it's it's right. not as fulfilling <laughs> the movie i think for the first like third like i said is a very interesting just like commentary and take on on modern uh, I guess you could say like modern Hollywood, modern like game designers, uh, modern just like you know a modern look on on the, I guess the theme that one of the one of the themes that the Matrix has always had is like free will versus fated destiny, and that and that theme definitely shows up here as well. But and, and specifically s- the beginning, specifically this goes into the rest of the movie, but like it's a it's about uh one artist's specific connection to it. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it uh-huh. is about the, like it does make a lot of broad commentaries and stuff uh, about various things. But uh, I feel like the core that kind of centers it is that it is specifically um, about Lana Wachowski and like her relationship to this franchise and these characters. I think that, the scene where, um, so, may, should we set the stage here a little bit? All right, let's let's yeah, set the stage. So when we start, when we start this movie, and I'll fully unpack it later, but just to start, so when we start the movie, Thomas Anderson it is Thomas Anderson, and he is inside the Matrix with seemingly no real. I shouldn't say that. So the Matrix, as we know it, the trilogy was a video game. So this is very meta. So everything that happened, happened. Thomas Anderson created Neo in this video game. He created Morpheus. He created Smith. And it's implied that he based Smith off of his uh, boss in the world, who is also named Smith. But he's, he's like a different kind of Smith, like a more sinister, modern take on Smith. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But um, so the idea is that 
everything that happened in the Matrix happened, but as a video game. And Thomas Anderson is having big problems separating himself from his creation and his fiction, which I feel like is like another kind of pretty pretty topical issue uh with especially with this metaverse bullshit that we were just talking about from earlier um it's like that's top that's topical and i feel like that was like always a thing even go back to the first matrix where like what is reality what is not right yeah yeah for sure and like or like i i think one thing that's kind it's like a good example of this is uh i i said this on a different podcast actually already but uh a lot of people were saying the premise of the movie was uh, asking, should we make another Matrix? And <laughs> and they did, weren't satisfied with the answer to that. But I, I actually think uh, in terms of this whole idea of like, do you actually have a choice or do you have free will? That is not the point of the movie, because I, I actually like how they explicitly say in the beginning of this movie uh, they're going to make another Matrix, whether you want to or not, whether you're involved mm-hmm. or not. Uh, and so that that is actually the one of the premises is like, and that's also the wider commentary on like the reboot and whatever culture is that we're gonna keep getting these movies whether people want them or not. So they're gonna you know they're gonna make another. Uh, <laughs> What what's a stupid movie? They're making another Ghostbusters, whether anyone wants it or not. You know what I mean? I think the commentary specifically, where it's like it's going to happen whether you're on board or not, is is kind of like a different commentary on like directors and and writers and creators who maybe have created something, um, and they were at peace with it when they walked away, and now it's being planned on being resurrected. And it's like, do you kind of? stay with it to make sure that it's as good as it can be, or do you kind of stick to your word or maybe stick to your piece or whatever? So I I thought that was interesting as well. But uh, the thing that I thought was the most, one of the most fascinating scenes in this movie, it was, and, and like, like you said, it's, this is a very meta movie. So like, I can totally understand why like people weren't into this, but um, when they're, when they're discussing like, what is the matrix and what is the matrix 20 years later? And they're discussing what it's about and they start talking about all these themes. And then they're, they're, they're talking about like, it's about bullet time. It's about leather. It's about, uh, whatever, like all this, all this stuff. And it's at times it's very philosophical at times. It's very like popcorn movie talk. And and I thought it was like so fascinating because in their own way, everyone is right about what the matrix is. And I, I think in that moment, I just appreciated the franchise even kind of like even more. And then especially as I was watching this, cause I was like, this is such like a, I don't know. And not like a weird scene, but like just such an open commentary on like, like you kind of said, like going back and rebooting and, mm-hmm. and maybe taking these franchises that should have stayed retired, but didn't it's, I thought it was yeah. super interesting. My, what my takeaway from that too was sort of like the, again, like, the artist's disillusionment from it all, because, like, I do agree with you that, like, what a lot of the people were saying, like, are elements that, like, make the original Matrix what it is, like, they they were kind of true, but it also, like, my interpretation of this is how exhausting and obnoxious they all sound, you, you know, and 
how like Lana Wachowski's probably been to a ton of meetings like that where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, like these are elements of it, but you also have the thrown in like modern corporate speak of like things we associate with this brand are freshness and originality, you know, and like, you know, just seeing like your work kind of reduced to the specific um, calling cards as opposed to like what it actually me- like any sort of like real meaning that you or anyone mm-hmm. else could have gotten out of it. And uh, that and kind of the opening scene where they where they recreate the opening scene of the original Matrix and they have commentary where like people are like, why would you use old code to make something new? <laughs> Stuff like that. Or like, I've seen this before. Um, it all, that all reminds me of how, like, the Star Wars sequels or, like, other reboots like that are where there's just a lot of, like, I, like, they take the iconography and, like, all the signifiers and things people, every little Easter egg people could notice and put them in so people go, oh, I remember that, but it, like, kind of, like, lacks any real meaning, it, if you catch what I'm saying, whereas, mm. yeah, so that's that's what I sort of felt like was was like like Thomas Anderson Neo was like Lana having to sit there and be like well, the movie's got to have bullet time it's got to have you know the commentaries on this it's got to have this and probably her being like that's not what's important to me almost. I thought that it was actually you, you you brought up something that I thought was great where like everybody that was in that room and by and large, actually almost everybody that was in this version of the matrix felt like so much more of like a caricature than like real people in implanted in the matrix. And I think that was like intentional because you've got like these super obnoxious, like millennium guys. Like it, it seems that the matrix is kind of like evolved and taken on that, like, this is how we talk to young people thing, which is actually like very scary to me. Like I think Smith is like a scary villain. The analyst is creepy in his own yeah. way, but like they've, they've you know, moved like, it forward till net to now, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Thomas Anderson's handler when he goes and introduces, uh, him to Trinity, whose, whose real name is Tiffany, I guess. But like that handler was like, especially like, it was very disturbing to me because I was like, God, I know people like this and like, I don't like them either. And like, I, it does feel, it feels very suffocating and you learn why, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that that like kind of, I mean, on one hand it's, I guess it's kind of simple. Like everybody like sucks at this version of the matrix, but like they suck just cause they're like a creepy modern version of someone that you could know, which I feel like is very unsettling. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like part of the, like scary thing about the beginning of the movie or or whatever is that like it it, uh, it is sort of like think things are things are bad in, <laughs> in like a different and weirder way than they were in the 90s i guess there's sort of a commentary about that uh yeah it's the, the first third of the movie I, I feel like is just so there's so many things that it's like obviously saying and and some of it is like quite on the nose like like you know all the pitch meetings and stuff like that um and then there's a lot of other like things that you could look into as well i i thought that this was like super fascinating um but i totally 
can get why people were a little bit just like, what is happening? Because I, I, I do think that it did go on for a long time. I was loving it. I was so into it, to be honest. Like, it's like the the whole. It was like a, such a great. I felt like montage too, and they're they're playing that one song, the like Alice in Wonderland song. Oh yeah, that's normally meant to be like you're going down the rabbit hole, but instead it's like Neo just like burnt out and fucking like what is going on (laughs) like that. Using it for that kind of scene, I thought was incredible. I thought that that's uh, so. It's called White Rabbit, and it's so good. Doing the trailer, it's good. By the way, the trailer there's like an orchestrated version. Of Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine, which rocks. Oh yeah, yeah. But oh, the, yeah, the version, the song called White Rabbit was is spectacular. It's it's like I, I think I don't know. It's just it's so unsettling to see all these like fake people, and you know, you know, we've talked about this before. Just like when you know that something's not right, and like something's obviously not right in this world, and Neo kind of knows it, but he kind of doesn't either. I mean, there's those blue pills like everywhere around too. Yeah, um, very, very, uh, I, I don't know. It was like unsettling to me in a, in a way that I wasn't expecting from the matrix or maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but yeah, it was, it was very unsettling. And I was just, I was just really feeling it too, because uh, like I said, I did like feel a lot of what was trying to be conveyed <laughs> of like, mm-hmm. yeah, through those boardroom scenes. I thought it was stuff. awesome. Yeah, I loved it. I like I could have watched um did you ever watch Mr. Robot Goo? No, no, I've never watched it. Alright, you definitely you should check that out because it's a sick show. With sick music, by the way. But there's <laughs> like there's some parts of it, particularly in the latter episodes, and it's just like you know that what's happening can't be real and like I I I kind of love that because it's like it's it's almost scary because it's like what is this hiding and I and I got a lot of those vibes like taking away all the commentary and stuff I was just like like how is this possible what is there must be something really bad for for them to be hiding into a new matrix like this so yeah I I thought that the whole thing was cool and then with like all the commentary it was even better there was like still a lot going through my head too like um like uh there I know I know some people I saw reacted to it and and they they were like surprised like they they thought that like maybe they were being convinced that like the original movies weren't real <laughs> you know what I mean um which was not going through my head I I was like how is how is neo still alive or like alive again um but I, oh, so my theory was completely wrong. By the way, speaking of oh, Matrix within a Matrix did not happen. No, well, it sort of did, but he because he made like Morpheus in um what well, uh, yeah okay in a modal I guess but yeah like not yeah they didn't dis discredit the original movies which I thought was good. Um, I'm glad, I guess in a way I'm glad that they didn't, because I think that would have rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way. I would have been fine with that, but uh, yeah, I, I could see why why people weren't like absolutely in love with it. But they but, did um, do it in the sense that they, in the in this Matrix, they made, they fake put the Matrix in the Matrix, and uh, and then the movie ends up being about the Matrix within the Matrix, 
but like by the matrix i mean the movie is about itself within the matrix i don't know they kind of did it but not really (laughs) (laughs) they did it they did it in a different way i didn't think about it like that dude (laughs) uh whoa um all right should we try and set the stage of what is happening here and bring everybody up to speed on the history of the world of the matrix (laughs) uh sure yeah if you could try to do that all right here we go uh so the let me go back to the ending gooey of the matrix revolutions where you might remember that smith messed up the architect's version of the matrix so badly that the machines had no choice but to make a deal with neo the deal was smith needed to be destroyed and neo would do it but in exchange for that the machines had to make peace with the humans and release anyone who wanted to out of the Matrix. And as we know, that deal works and it pays off and Smith is destroyed and the Matrix is not destroyed, but, uh, you know, anyone that can leave and wants to leave can leave. So that's right. where we're at. So what happens is the uh, the machines stay true to their word and they kind of evolve to live harmoniously with humans in the real world. Um, and these, they, they prefer to be called by a new name for the machines. And that is the synthiates. Um, however, things start to go a little bit sideways here. Um, because so many people have been unplugged from the matrix. Uh, the machines are running low on energy in order to power themselves because of course they use humans as batteries. So, uh, there is a machine civil war, which is crazy. And, uh, the machine civil war breaks out between the synthiates and the evil robots who are called the sentinels. And they want basically to force people back into the matrix. So that's kind of where we're at with the machines and why this piece didn't last. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty good uh, explanation. Actually. I think, Regardless, it would probably, if you haven't seen the movie, that might be hard to follow. But uh, yeah, that was a great explanation. I got to give it to you. Um, Dude, I I love, I loved, I love, 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 loved seeing the machines and humans interact kind of as one. And then like when the machine civil, civil war started, I was just like, fuck, like they, I don't know. Something about like stories like the Matrix with AI and like Terminator and stuff like. Those stories scare me because, like, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Maybe even in our lifetime, you know, like (laughs) when we're old. Yeah. And, like, we're recording another season of The Witcher or something. In The Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah. In the metaverse or whatever. (laughs) Um, Uh, I just, that that scene where I was just like, man, this is, like, so, so badass. Because, like, those, those machines are doing what a human would do. Right. And it's just like seeing the kind of continual integration and assimilation of the two is like just well, that super is super far. That out. was that was also a little heartwarming. That's like, it, yeah, it, it goes along with I think we talked about it in our other in the sequels a lot, too, where they start to branch out and show different relationships that both humans and programs can have to the Matrix like. Some people want to escape. Some people don't know. Some people want to stay. Same thing with the machines. Like, 
or the AIs, like some of them just want to also want to escape the matrix and just live their lives or whatever. And that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, agent Smith, he wanted to get out of the matrix in the first one. Right. Yeah. That was great. Um, and so, yeah, it was cool. Like the, the civil war, uh, a cool element of that was that it also was able, like that also gave IO, which is like the new Zion, uh, like peace, and yeah. um, and then they were living alongside the machines, but then they also kind of became complacent, and they they started saving people from the Matrix like less and less, and they that that was kind of an interesting element too that like they yeah like they weren't helping anymore; they were just you know preserving what they had. Yeah, which was, you know, like, questionable. I, I've seen some people make fun of that strawberry scene, but I thought that was, like, so cool because it was, like, just, like, a, this shouldn't be possible, but because of, like, the machines and humans working together, we've willed it into existence. Yeah, it was nice. I love that they, scene. And they had, like, yeah. the lights and stuff. It it wasn't as, like, it was, like a, like, a less dramatic version of, like, when they see the sky in the other movie where it's just, like... Right. Like getting something to grow in the darkness, essentially. There's some there's something beautiful about that. Um, all right, I'm gonna keep setting the table here. Okay. So yeah. let's let's keep going. At the same actually before the machine civil war broke out, there was another program, and it is uh it doesn't say exactly what he is doing at this time, but there's another program called the Analyst, and the analyst convinces the machines to take Neo and Trinity's body and essentially rebuild them and bring them back to life. And that is how both of them are alive and well. Now, when this civil war broke out, the the Oracle and the Architect, so the, the old people from the first trilogy, are on the side of the Synthiots because they made the deal with uh, Neo and they were planning to honor it. While the Analyst was leading the Sentinels. And so obviously the Sentinels end up winning this civil war and the Oracle and the architect are deleted from existence. And now the analyst is building a version of the matrix. So that is how this guy kind of gets into power. Um, and he builds a yes. version of the matrix that is built on not calculations and stuff like that, but longing desire and unfulfillment. And he's able to do this by putting Neo and Trinity close together, but not close enough that they can do like some real damage together. And he uses their kind of emotional bond to inform his version of the matrix. This is kind of like a fucky explanation actually, but no, no, I love this. Cause that, that gets at even more of like what the emotional core of the movie, I guess is too, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Neo and Trinity and that, um, kind of brings me to, Overall, if I'm connecting it back to that scene where uh, Neo's having to listen to everyone say, like, what is the Matrix about? Uh, And they're, you know, shouting all these things. Um, And then by the end of the movie, I think what's happening is Lana is sort of saying, like, the the real core of it all, like, (laughs) is these characters and, like, love (laughs) and stuff like that. Love. It's very... uh, as the analyst says in the in the end, he he calls it sentimental. It's uh, you know it's very earnest and like romantic and a little cheesy, 
Uh, but I absolutely love it. <laughs> I I think it's amazing that, it, and it really is a beautiful continuation of like those elements that they really expanded upon in the two sequels. Like it really mm-hmm. is about the power of love, which is so awesome. I think it it actually is, and like I don't know that I fully realized that until I rewatched the Matrix sequels last year. Like I'd watch them, you know, here and there or whatever. But like, I don't, when when COVID started and like all this stuff, even before when like the you know from 2016 on, it was just like, dude, we live in the fucking Matrix. So I I start to appreciate those movies more, and like really like. It's so, it's so evident that by the end of the Revol- Matrix Revolutions, this this is a story about love, and I think that the commentary overall in this movie, like I like it so much when they're talking about like what is the Matrix and everybody's talking about their different ideas, because I I feel like jumping way to the end of the movie, it like it very clearly Lana is saying like this is a, a love story and and like love has the power to to basically conquer all, which she like. I don't it may sound cheesy, but like it's so I I I just thought that that was fantastic. I really yeah. did. I really did. Yeah. There there's an element too of like uh I I won't be dictated like what this world is to me, you know. Mm-hmm. When they're talking about we're going to paint the sky with rainbows. It's a it's kind of her sort of asserting her uh artistic <laughs> self, you know, like I I'm going to express myself through this how I want, not how we think people will respond to, you know? Uh, so, yeah. So, I don't know. It rewarding, I feel like, was... Uh, the final scene, I thought, was just, like, so It was good. awesome, yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to keep setting the table here. So, sure. We have the analyst's version of the Matrix alive and running, and it is powered by Neo and Trinity, who have been rebuilt by the machines. But he has a problem now because he actually has to reinsert both Neo, Trinity, and and by the way, Smith into the Matrix now. So he disguises Neo as basically an old dude in the Matrix, so nobody can recognize him. Inserts uh inserts Trinity as another person and then has to insert Smith into the Matrix too because Smith is a part of Neo and they're they're kind of one and the same. So essentially he has to trap the three most dangerous people that have ever lived in the Matrix. So very very kind of a cool like concept here. But and he keeps them in the Matrix. He keeps Neo and Trinity just close enough where like he sees her at that cafe every day but like unobtainable it's mm. it's awesome and and that metaphor is extended further in the real world when you see them they're literally in these pods like just right next to each other and there's something mm-hmm. even more like poetic about that you know it's it's very like i don't know yeah it's it's cute <laughs> but also sad and it's so it's worth- cool like the like keeping like the bond like I like this idea of like these characters having bonds, especially because it, it again makes me think of kind of the meta element of like these mm-hmm. different characters representing aspects of yourself, like um, even even Smith, you know, and and also I guess there is this sort of element that people talked about in uh the original 
trilogy about how like Neo and Trinity are supposed to kind of mirror each other in a lot of ways and people have made reference to like that as like part of like the trans allegory or whatever but I just mm-hmm. think about both Neo Neo's like relationships with these people that he's connected to like also gave me this I like feeling of like um what's it called like Und- not understanding but like making peace with yourself you know what i mean like like i think about mm. with smith like there's scenes by the end of it they're sort of like we're cool <laughs> and I, I i did like that um i thought that smith was one of the most interesting characters in this movie even though i don't think everything he did made sense um but first of all i thought that smith this time was like even more unsettling because like in the first in the first trilogy, Smith is like kind of your your typical like corporate boss, and he's like you know that's that's what he is. He talks slow. He he has drawl, humorless, very generic looking. Kind of represented like the the evil boss at that time. Whereas this one is an evil boss too, but it's so different. It's like charismatic mm-hmm. and and catchy and good looking and like just the like I don't know. It's very very creeped out by this guy because it's it's again kind of like at the times that we live in but it's like this is the type of boss that like you know asks his secretary to stay late after work with him to help him finish something and you know what i mean like just that kind of bad vibe from him that and the whole like that all sort of enforced what i was feeling about how like they made the world weird like worse in a weird different way And, like, Mm -hmm. you get that from just, yeah, the vibe of, like, even the look of the movie. Because the original movies have this sort of green comic book sort of look to them. And this, it's sort of, it looks like a very sterile, like, it doesn't look like the Matrix. You you know, it looks like... I I think that's it. Yeah. It looks... Like, it's modernized to be mundane, kind of as maybe, you know, they were trying to do... They were trying to make the everything look real back then but the, now with this new one they're they're also trying to make it look real but by making it fake because that's what our society looks like by and large now it's 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 an unsettling feeling i think this yeah. new version and like, of the matrix and smith is unsettling they don't even need agents anymore which i feel like is sort of a commentary too on like modern times yeah i uh, let's talk about that later i want to keep talking about smith actually for a second sure yeah but i, I was going to talk about swarm mode which was super fucked up but uh, yeah, so I I thought that Smith was um, was a was a pretty big like I was wondering how they were gonna do Smith and I wasn't sure if it would be good or not. I thought maybe they should have just let him like rest. But I I thought that he was handled pretty well in here, particularly like the um, the uneasy alliance that they have because it's important to remember that Smith is as much a prisoner of this Matrix as Neo was, and uh, seeing them. Even though you know it can't last, team up I thought was like kind of cool. Um, that was cool, yeah. So yeah, I, I like that about him. The actor is also awesome. He's in a really good show uh, called Mine Hunter. Actually, he was I think they canceled it. Mm. But John, the guy, Jonathan the guy's Groff, cool. I think his name is. Yes, he was yeah. great. Yeah, both him and like you mentioned him and the analyst having like this is like a good modern interpretation of like the villain of the Matrix. Yeah. you know, a very different type of portrayal but it really fits like the modern our modern world yeah yeah uh i but i can again i can see maybe why some people didn't like that because it's like a very 
You know, I mean, I think people like comic book movies now. Like, they want to see fucking Green Goblin and, and and Mysterio or whatever. And, like, these are not those type of villains. It's more like a, you know, society is your villain because you, you probably know Neil Patrick Harris in, in real life, right? Like, or someone like him. Yeah. But, um, right. Yeah. yeah so, so, Neo creates, as you mentioned earlier... Uh, actually, you know what? We should, uh, before I mention this, we should set the table even more. Because we learn that uh, that Morpheus has died. So, yes. and also, by the way, so the Matrix Online game was supposed to be officially canon, and obviously that is not the case anymore because uh, Morpheus actually died in that game, but he died in a different way in the real world. And so, Naomi is explaining to Neo that once the Civil War started between the machines. Morpheus was so convinced that whatever Neo had done would work, that it would save them, that he stayed in Zion. And it kind of implies that it was, like, not his fault, but uh, that he was too stubborn in his in his uh, beliefs about Neo. And that's what ultimately led to his downfall. Which is funny, because that's what happened, or almost happened in the first movie. Um, but yeah, Z- I, I kind of like the, the line that Naomi has but like, Zion is a city designed for war, um, and Io is a city designed for peace. I, I thought that that was kind of nice. It was nice, but I also felt like she ultimately it was it was sort of like their their idea of peace was to sort of give up, oh, the running fight. and hiding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, I I ju- I just kind of liked the idea that like after everything that happened in the first one, like there at least was some kind of positive evolution. It, oh know, yeah. It didn't definitely. stay. It certainly didn't stay positive um, because, you know, they basically gave up on the rest of humanity, but I, I did kind of like that. It made me feel like everything wasn't all for naught, but yeah, you uh, got Morpheus, the strawberry. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Morpheus did not make it out of Zion though. So the no, real Morpheus no. is dead. Yeah, so we've got the sucks. we've got like a fake Morpheus. So this is cool because I actually I didn't know what the hell uh, a modal was. I had to look this up after. I when I heard them talk about it in the movie, I had an idea of what I thought it was, and that's basically what it is. It's like an add-on to a to a circuit breaker. Mm. So Neo, let me correct myself. Thomas Anderson creates a modal inside. The Matrix, so it kind of, you're right, it kind of is a Matrix within a Matrix in a way. But Well, and because they new, literally, like, are also, like, having him, they're having yeah. him recreate stuff from the original movie, you know? Um, and this is, this is kind of where the events of the movie actually pick up, where uh, there's a new crew, and it's led by a girl named Bugs, and they go into this modal, and Neo has created a, like a version of Smith that's also a version of Morpheus. So he's merged the two characters together. So now you have Smith and Morpheus, although, I mean, really, it's just Morpheus. There's not a whole lot of Smith characteristics well, there other than he's an agent to start off with. But I, I would say very cool. there's a few things. Um, I think the idea is he's trying to create someone who was responsible for bringing him out of the Matrix, but since he's a program, I think he's, he was trying to imbue him with this aspect of like self-awareness, you know what I mean? That a program could have that Smith achieved. And so I think that's where that element comes from. And then sort of the, 
we see from Morpheus in this movie that his personality is not the same. So I think that's like the element of the Smith personality. You know, he's he's kind of a little stinker sometimes. <laughs> he's yeah, I guess you're right. Like he's definitely more of a program in, in some ways. Um, whereas you know, we just talked about the the OG Morpheus would absolutely die for his beliefs, but it, maybe it does feel like this Morpheus is a little bit more practical. But uh, I thought that this this was like a cool. Like, I thought it was a cool take. Um, I'm not, like, 100% sure. I think they probably could have got by with this movie without having Morpheus in it. He wasn't, like, super vital to the plot or anything like that. But that being said, I did think that it was cool that he showed up, and I'd certainly rather have him than not. And, like, there are some interesting ideas there that, like, now Morpheus is kind of like uh, the machine that, you know, he fought so long against. It, it was cool, like, <laughs> like, just some of the like tech with him was cool like when he becomes like a magnetic robot in like the real world was cool like just this idea now of machines coming out of the matrix was cool um Mm -hmm. and, and that way of portraying it but uh yeah and i just sort of liked what i liked about it being him and a different actor and and this kind of goes for smith too uh, is because it it lend it lended more to this idea of being confronted by your own creation, you know. So like, mm-hmm. it really made it feel more like as opposed to his interactions with Trinity, which is about like this real love. Um, the idea of like I'm being confronted by this fictional creation that I made. Uh, I think it like helped. It actually added a little bit to it for me that it wasn't like the real actors from the original. Like they felt like these are fictional characters, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's not really Morpheus. You know, that's a different guy who is now, uh, his name is Morpheus, you know? (laughs) Um, so let's talk about the new crew for a second here. Uh, Besides for, for Morpheus. Uh, I thought that, uh, that bugs was really great. I I really liked her. She, yeah, I, you know, when you see these characters and, uh, especially in like the trailer, it just kind of looks like, ah, oh, this is going to be like the new Trinity or something like that. And, and she really wasn't. She was like, uh, actually the other character from the crew was a lot more like Trinity than, uh, than Bugs was. What was her name? Lexi, I want to say. Well, she's, is that the one who like ex- expressed that she looked up to Trinity? Or Trinity like? inspired. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 The new crew in this, they sort of have this element especially of bugs there there's some line like they're they're they are like kind of like the people who really were like inspired by the matrix i think they are supposed to be fans of the movie i guess that were inspired by it the true believers um (laughs) i i think it's funny so like now so bugs says to neo um after she kind of gets him out of the matrix um, she says to him, I saw you one day about to jump off of a building, but I saw you because you have to remember that the, the analyst has put a, uh, I was about to say a spell, but he's done something with Neo so that he looks like he's like a hundred years old. Yeah. And so the way that you kind of break out of the matrix now is when it glitches and you see the real Neo. And I thought that that was like really cool. How like, you know, he, he was always kind of presented as this messiah figure in the, the trilogy, but like, 
they don't shy away from that, but it's it feels more realistic because it's a glitch. I, I don't know. I just I, I thought that was cool to like because you can see the real Neo. That's what inspires you to start questioning your reality and like stuff like that. I, I thought that that was like cool, and it made me wonder too, like how many versions of this Matrix have there been? Because like it's inferred that Neo has tried to, you know, he's tried to kill himself a couple different times here, and. Mm. I don't know if they were all unsuccessful or not, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I I liked uh, I liked that. I thought it was cool. Yeah, there was something. Yeah, that was nice about like again, like the meta aspect of like having a character being like, I I saw what you were, or like I saw the thing you you did, and it inspired me. Like there's there's something nice about that, I guess too. Um, so I don't, I don't think the rest of the crew really has like any, you know, like, like huge standout moments or anything like that. Yeah. I don't really have a, a whole bit lot of a to downside. say about them, Like, I think about, um, the crew, like in the first Matrix, there's some people in it who really don't really have lines, but they just seem like these real people with like, you know, like they're so compelling. Maybe it's just the look of the actors or something, but like. In this, there's there's some people in the crew, and it's and they're sort of like, I mm-hmm. don't know, they just don't do much with them. And it, it, by the end, it's sort of like the movie's not about them at all. <laughs> they're just sort of like representing something, I think. But like, yeah, that was kind of a that was kind of a, a bummer. There was a lot of characters in the movie though, so, and a lot going on. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say it was a bummer. It would have been cool to have like maybe more distinctive characters. But, like, even... I think back to, like, Switch and APOC, and, like, I don't think they were very, like, distinctive characters. They basically only existed to die, right? And, like... So I'm looking at this crew, and I think that the Lexi probably had the next most, like, lines or characterization because she idolized mm-hmm. Trinity. And after that, it was pretty, like... It's pretty bare bones. But, like, I, I also think, like, I was okay with that because, like, I maybe, didn't need to know, like, a ton the about death, all these guys. the death thing is the key because uh, I was... Uh, one of my friends did point out to me, like, none of these people die. Um, so Yeah, you know what? That's true. Yeah. Maybe this Yeah, that's right. Maybe the stakes could have felt more real. Let's kill off one of these people, you know. Yeah, we don't know who the f- who we don't know who they are. <laughs> they actually go out of their uh. way in the end to show that they're all fine. Which I thought was funny. <laughs> like these characters Hell they yeah. don't really care about. They have a scene where they're like, You good? And he's like, Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Uh, you know, I I was fine with that. I was like, you know, this movie is about Neo and it's about Trinity and it's about Smith and kind of Morpheus. I thought I was like, these guys are fine. Like, I don't, we don't need to spend a bunch of time learning about Lexi really yeah, I mean, more yeah. than what we got. Yeah. By, or like the pilot guy. By the end, they have to shed them all to get down to the two people, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's what it's about. Yeah. All right. So, um. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep going here on my on my summary. So we know that uh, this matrix exists and it's uh, it's a different kind of matrix built by a different person. Um, so we know that Bugs is able to slip through into the modal that Neo has created, and that's where she thinks she's finally found Neo. And that's when she's just like, "All right, we got this guy. We're gonna try and rescue him and pull him out." And so. They have an attempt to free Neo at his office, and it goes horribly wrong. 
and they actually inadvertently wake up Smith instead, which is which is bad news bears for everybody. But they eventually do get Neo, and I'm going to give you one of my big critiques of this film, which is like, I think that they were like really, really fast and loose with like how you jack in and jack out of the Matrix in this trilogy. Like it's within mirrors, but there's doors, but like, like dude, in the first one, you, you stuck that shit in your head, you picked up a phone, you were like, in and out. Oh, okay. I never, it's, this just never crossed my mind. So I have no response because that did not, yeah, that did not occur to me. Man, I'm telling you, dude, watch this again. They're going through doors, although I think they go through doors into like the key maker's back room kind of deal. So maybe, maybe I just am misremembering that, but like they're fitting in like the bathroom mirror in like the, the Greyhound bathroom on the train or whatever. That's like, weird. that's like the new tech that they made. It's just new. It's just a new technology they have. They can go through mirrors. All right. Well, I wanted to know who made this tech. By God, who approved this? You don't need a backstory. I like my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Let me let me just grumble like an old timer. (laughs) Um, One other thing, actually, that I this wasn't a big deal, but uh, the Merovingian was back. Yeah, and there was. There was no reason, plot-wise, whatsoever, that made sense to bring the Merovingian back. But he was there, he, and no, I was just like, was, okay, cool. He was great, uh, because what he perfectly represents, uh, because he was around for the original Matrix, and he managed to stay stick around, and he sees the world as it is now, uh, this world where he used to, it used to be made for him (laughs) i and then he's in here shouting about how things used to be cooler and they suck now (laughs) and i felt like he was the perfect character to have do that because he was literally like surviving from the original trilogy but i i related to this guy this is me all the time complaining about how everything's (laughs) ugly now everything looks like a netflix workplace drama uh, you know, things just used to be cooler and now they suck. And I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that the movie's calling me out. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> well, so I was thinking like, how did this dude manage to avoid deletion when the Oracle and the architect didn't, he must be slippery. He's a slippery well, he guy. He was already sort yeah, of we- an outcast, right? So he's, yeah, I guess he kind of was. was suited yeah. for that. Uh, I I loved having him back. I lo- he just he looked like such a bum. I love the fight it was cool scene. Cool to see his goons. The fight scene yeah. ends and he just like kind of fucks off. Like there's not even like an exit for him. That's dramatic. Like they don't even take him out. Really, he's just like grumbles away. <laughs> oh, I yeah. This guy was was absolutely awesome. So um, the f- okay, the team, the crew. There's a lot of people representing people. The crew, especially in the beginning when they're watching the movie remake and they're going that's not how it happened the crew are like those ghosts in the final fantasy 7 remake who are like no 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 this isn't right this is not what happens in final fantasy 7 um and then yeah and then the merovingian is me uh, <laughs> so, oh man so the let me see if i can uh let me see if i can lay out what happens here in a non-complicated way so basically Neo is freed from the Matrix 
finally, after fighting the Merovingian and Smith, he's out of there. But he has to go back and he has to get Trinity. So they devise this plan to break her out. And it involves Morpheus and it involves bugs. Um, and it also involves, uh, what is this girl's name who is now grown up? Sadie. Mm. And uh, that was the weather program from the first, or actually from the third movie. And apparently her dad, who you might remember, was in that limbo train station with her, was a program that actually helped uh, bring Neo and Trinity back to life. And then he was deleted unceremoniously yeah. after the job was done. Dude. That's a bummer. He was cool. He was a good guy. Oh, that guy was a prince. He was so polite, so nice. <laughs> just wanted to do what was right for his daughter. His daughter can, she's like Storm from the X-Men. She can control the weather. It's pretty cool. She, I like Sadie, actually. She was I, I cool. The, uh, the robot yeah. was cool. <laughs> I like yeah. that little that, flying thing. Oh, man. That, that butterfly thing that they had? Yeah. So cool. Oh, dude. Yeah, that was pretty uh that's pretty bonkers. I was watching that and I was like, man. You, if only I wasn't here with my in-laws, I would have went to the bathroom and just you know. <laughs> you know what I pop Oh my god. <laughs> you know what? Popped a gummy, sat down, been transfixed into a different world. That yeah. That would help. That would actually probably feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think so. What I thought of during this because I just thought about it because she shows up and they have they have like becomes like a heist movie and they have like a heist meeting with her, which yeah. is cool. But I I thought about how they you know they look in the Matrix versus real life because you know normally it's it's a thing like uh. You see it with Neil a lot too, because he's he's all like bald headed and stuff. But you go into the Matrix and you're you're like decked out in leather. You're wearing the cool sunglasses, uh, all this stuff. Neo <laughs> goes into the Matrix in this movie, and he's just like dressed the same, <laughs> but then he has just like a like a black jacket on or something. But He's just like no sunglasses, no product in the hair. He is just like he's just like cozy. He looks very comfortable, <laughs> unlike everyone this, else. This guy is at the stage of his life where he's like, you know what? I feel fine enough. Like I'm just gonna wear my slippers and well, I'm gonna wear my coat. It sort of works too because like a lot of this movie, I think this might be what disappoints some people is like you kind of expect him to reawaken and be like the one again. But a lot of the movie, he's just sort of like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And he's like, I got powers, but I can't really use them. You know, like mm-hmm. he's like, so he's so like disoriented the whole movie. Uh, and so I think, I don't know, maybe the cozy look sort of helps with that. Like he's not really fully, uh, he's not really fully in it. <laughs> and and he never really is either, which, yeah, maybe that is a reason why people I love that. were a little I bit negative. I love that, though. I, I thought that that was, like, kind of a cool move. It's like, you know, the old man Logan story where, like, he's still, you know, he's older. He's trying to get it back and just do this one last, you know, mission or whatever. Um, I also, I appreciated that uh, while while Sadie is, like, breaking down the heist... That, like, it's actually happening at the time that she's saying it. Instead of, like, she explains all of it and then, like, you wait a little bit and then they execute it in the next scene. Just kind of, like, expediated the the thing to me. Yeah. Um, which I appreciated because, like, that wasn't going to be, like, the big 
final set piece or anything like that. So I was like, all right, cool. Like we're getting this like over with pretty, pretty yeah. quick. I think it was just like, cause anything to like involve the matrix is a little convoluted. Mm-hmm. So they did a good job of like, they had to make it the heist format only so they could like properly explain it to everyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Cause yeah. You know what? It's worth noting too that so Neo is the one, but not in this matrix. He was the one in the architects matrix. And you know, he was, uh, what did he call him? Like a mistake of mathematical precision or something mm. like that or whatever. Yeah. So like theoretically Neo is only the one in the other matrix. So like that kind of makes sense why he doesn't have the powers in this matrix. And it also kind of makes a lot of sense why, like when he's with Trinity, then they do. And like why she's the one, because they're literally constructing the matrix out of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he still does have some powers, but I I think part of it is too that. Yeah. He like is kind of out of it, but that, that also makes a lot of sense too. Like that it's, it's built around them. I mean, yeah, it goes to the end of the movie, which is, uh, it's really about them awakening together almost. (laughs) So I thought that this, this sequence at the end where Trinity and and Neo finally do meet was like really awesome. But I did have one gripe and uh, maybe we should back up a little bit actually, because I think that we've covered most of it, but the analyst is explaining. So the analyst is Neo's shrink, by the way, or Thomas Anderson's yes. shrink, which I feel like was pretty obvious work like from the get go. He has like those thick blue glasses, which is kind of a giveaway. So it's like, there are blue pills everywhere oh, yeah. in this world. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so he's like the ultimate villain, as we've talked about. He's a very different type of villain. Um, but I thought that this scene was weird. Where like, so Smith and Neo form this temporary alliance after Trinity's just like, "Fuck you, I'm I'm breaking out of this this matrix by like whipping her husband's ass." By the way, which is sweet. Yes, Chad. <laughs> Damn, Chad. So, so hold on. So, Chad is her real life husband too, right? Is uh, that correct? No, no, no. So, Chad, Chad, who is Trinity's fake Matrix husband, is played by Chad Stahelski, who is the director of the John Wick movies, but he also was Keanu Reeves' stunt double in the original Matrix. So. The fake Neo, the Trinity's fake romance in this is played by a fake Keanu Reeves <laughs> in a way. Holy fuck. And I, I also believe <sighs> that um, there's a, a couple other things. Uh, the reflection when they're at, at the coffee shop um, talking, their, their reflections on the table are also um, real life spouses of other people. Like, I think, like, producer or something, like, other high-up people involved with the original Matrix. And I also believe that's true of, there's a different shot of um, non-Keanu Thomas Anderson on that rooftop party, who's also played by a different spouse of, like, one of the people originally involved with the Matrix. So there is a lot of, like, meta elements here, too, about... Not just Lana, but all these people's connection to the original series, which I think is cool. So this scene was, uh, th- first of all, it was pretty awesome seeing her whip Chad's ass. Yeah. And then it was great seeing them get back together. 
But then we got a fight scene, and then Smith starts fighting with Neo and Trinity, saying, like, like I'm not going to be trapped in the Matrix again. And this, I was a little bit confused about this, actually. Maybe you can explain it to me. So Smith uh, aligns with Neo. He takes out the analyst. He shoots him, like, eight times in the head. And, like, the analyst kind of, like, disappears and, and, like, goes away. But, like, he's not dead. And then Smith is like, this is where our alliance ends. And, like, it's not even like he was, like, stunned. He just went away for a second. And then, like, all of his goons started going after all three of them. So I didn't I didn't really understand that um, oh, okay. part of Smith's, like, I th- gimmick here. I thought at that moment that he was under the impression that he killed the analyst. I see. And so he he did. Well, maybe maybe it's as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is like you can sort of be like you really thought that would kill him, but I don't know. Maybe we're supposed to believe that he was dead in that moment. But apparently no one believes that. Well, I mean, like the the people, like the other agents and stuff start moving like immediately afterwards, which is just kind of why it's just like what? Well, yeah. Um, and then Smith just like kind of disappears too, which is weird. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I need to rewatch that ending yeah, bit. Again. I thought for him because his whole his whole uh, vendetta was against the analyst for, you know, putting him in this new matrix and putting him in this situation. So I I viewed it as I've taken out the guy we were both going for because that's what they were they were also talking about in the scene with the Merovingian before they fought, where he was like, "I need you to like leave." like not get involved and mm-hmm. so yeah because i think that was his whole his whole mo was kill the analyst well because and then he's like about to start fighting neo but then they do the thing where he's just like you know you were the one but i've always been everyone or, or something like that they have like some kind of quote and like he just kind of like blips smith away and then he's kind of done for the rest of the movie yeah that's yeah he was sort of like all right homie peace yeah see you later alligator um it's so yeah maybe i think i need to rewatch that it sort of had this vibe of i liked that last line and it sort of had this vibe of um like all that stuff that happened between us was well in the mm-hmm. past i've made peace with my with you <laughs> and uh, i'm going to move on sort of thing and so in his like long villain monologue, the analyst is kind of talking oh about God. swarm mode. Well, first Holy of all, fuck. his monologue was sweet. We should talk about that because. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I skipped over that. One go ahead. thing I liked about it was that we go back to that scene where everyone's talking about what's the matrix. And someone says like bullet time. And that felt again, like Lana being like, okay, you think you want to see like bullet time and cool action. You love bullet time. I'm going to make a like, scene that's just a bullet time monologue and it's just gonna be neil patrick harris monologuing in slow motion (laughs) and i don't know that's like it was never there was never cool like action bullet time in this movie you know what i mean it was always just Mm -hmm. like the villain of the movie fucking with you and so i like that like using one like one just that meta commentary but then also like yeah, using something that was, like, your power against you, you know? It almost felt like uh, the demand for you to do this is, like, a weapon. <laughs> I That scene was just, like, so far out. And, like, it, that, it was almost like 
frustrating in a way. And I'm going back to what you said earlier because it's like you want Neo so badly to be able to like break through and like put a stop to it and like control it. But like I, he never really does. Like not in that first scene and not in the last scene either. And Smith is the one that stops the bullet time. And like it's yeah, it, it felt like uh, it felt like turning like the strength of of like the first. I guess first iterations of the characters in the movie, but also like the strength of like the first movies with this really cool bullet time gimmick and like turning it against you and using it as like a weapon and stuff. I I thought that it was like again very meta, but very uh very on point. It, it was it was like such a like an over the top monologue too that like there were shades of that architect monologue in there for me, which I thought was yeah. kind of great because like which, now you have the new architect uh, yeah. who actually is shit talking the old architect during right. this. And I think of that as like, because I think a, like a lot of people that I know have negative associations with that architect scene because it, it's all hard to swallow. It's like a lot of information. So that's why. I lo- oh, totally. Yeah, that's totally that's yeah. why it's like we took the thing that you think is the coolest about those movies and put it in the type of scene that you despise, which is this weird sci-fi uh, lore monologue thing. I loved it. I truly loved it. I thought it was just like so crazy. Neil Patrick Harris was great in this movie, by the way. He was awesome. Uh, he, I was so shocked by he, that because like he's fine or whatever, but I was sort of like, he's going to be like the lead villain of a Matrix movie. Um, and he was perfect. Yeah. Well, it, it, it doesn't seem like the type of character that should fit. Like you look at Smith. He was just like, oh my god, this guy is like, he looks horror, he looks villainous to the T. You look at the architecture, like there's like an evil old guy. Mm. But this guy's like hip, young, friendly, yeah. charismatic. It's well that's that's what I also think of as like they they him and Smith even sort of made me just think of like like tech bros and stuff like that. And that I feel like those yes. are the current villains. <laughs> totally. This, he was Elon Musking up in this movie and it was it was awesome um uh, yeah he he was uh just he was a highlight that i wasn't expecting actually in this movie when i even when the first couple scenes where he was in i was just kind of like yeah okay it's like he's doing his neil patrick harris thing and whatever but man this this yeah this bullet time monologue was sweet yeah so sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I just, I really like that scene. <laughs> you're right. No, you you needed to. I I can't believe I skipped over that. <laughs> that was uh that was pretty badass. Um, so yeah, they uh, he activate this thing called the swarm mode though. Holy smokes, this was like again, this was terrifying. Cause like I had a thought when uh, when I was watching this, and I guess we should. So swarm mode is like the uh, I don't know if it's the agents or if it's just the analysts that have this ability but essentially they can turn like anyone that's plugged into the matrix into like like a suicide bomber almost in a way or like uh an an agent so like they can just completely take over anyone at will so before it was only agents that could assimilate into people and then they could get out and now they could do it with like everybody all at once and it's like super terrifying um but dude, when they started throwing themselves out of the window at the end, I was just like, holy shit. Like, these are, I think that these are, like, still real people plugged into the Matrix that are dying here. It's just, like, absolutely horrifying. Yeah, yeah, the, and the image, yeah, the imagery was 
insane. It looked Matrixy. This is where, like, the Matrix, I felt, like, the actual, like, the construct, the Matrix, started to look a little bit more like the Matrix that I remembered, even though it didn't have, like, the super green tint. Uh, no, yeah. I, I thought that the ending was, it, like, it just kind of looked like the first, like, it, like you were in the first version of the Matrix. And I think that kind of had more to do with, like, Neo and Trinity maybe waking up and being together. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that or not. I thought it was cool. Well, it was more of a... It's like the first... Well, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it... I, it stuck out to me just because it was, like, the only one where I had sort of been, like, like awestruck, <laughs> like, by some of the... Some of the scenes, because I feel like a lot of the other action scenes or whatever really weren't... Didn't, like, blow my mind or anything. Um... And I, I'd agree with and that. I guess yeah. that just wasn't like kind of what we were talking about. Like that wasn't the focus of this movie. Um, in fact, like I, yeah, I think the bullet time scene is a conscious like note of that. That it's like, yeah, this move, this isn't really like a big. This is not a kung fu movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. Morpheus and Neo had a heck of a fight earlier too. By the way, that we skipped that was over, cool. but that was yeah. A cool fight. Like the only the only times it really gets there is like when they're like they are recreating the original movie. So that's that's why I think that's sort of uh, intentional. And then all the other scenes are sort of like Neo, like whoa, what the fuck, <laughs> like I'm being blown yeah. out of this train or something, you know? Yeah, I like I I think that you kind of nailed it. Like those those bullet time scenes. I, maybe that's another reason why people don't like it is because it's like so suffocating you just want them to break out so bad and like it just doesn't get there yeah they eventually make it out which is awesome and everybody everybody's there everybody's happy at the end um even niobe who is uh i guess gonna start to do more to try and take some of these people out of the matrix so that's good yeah yeah that's nice yeah good on niobe but time but uh yeah that's uh one of the cool moments at the end when they're about to be you know, recaptured by the analyst is uh, Neo and Trinity take the proverbial leap of faith. And it is Trinity, in fact, who is flying, kind of proving that, again, the the one, the true power of the Matrix wasn't, wasn't like this guy who could bend this computer program. It was love, because love saved them in the first trilogy. Love has clearly saved them, again, in this movie, and allowed them to kind of conquer all and... Yeah, I, th- I think that that's awesome. Love is love is like the whole reason they had to go to war with the machines after, you know, after Neo went against the architect. Um, you know, in the original movie, Trinity is told she will fall in love with the one, <laughs> and that sort of ends up kind of being an inspiration for Neo. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, yeah, this final moment where they jump and uh, Trinity's holding him, that's, like, one of the best... That's, like, the best moment of the whole movie, I think. Uh, it really comes down to it that that is all it's about. <laughs> so they end the Matrix. So the, the analyst is still alive. But now, now I believe, Neo and Trinity have control of the Matrix. So they're going to be the curators of it and presumably turn it into a better version of the matrix um i don't know like that so it kind of goes back to like the the old question like is it better to to know the truth even if it's horrible or live a comfortable lie and 
you know, Neo and Trinity have fought for so long against these robots and against the Matrix, but now that they have it, it's like, it kind of goes back to the original premise of the movie that we were talking about when they tell Thomas Anderson he has to make another Matrix game. It's like, okay, well, do we do we keep our principle and like not have people in the Matrix, or do we at least, because since we know it's probably going to happen, do we at least try and be involved and make it the best that it can be? So I, I liked that kind of wrap up all the way to the beginning as well. I thought that that was like an interesting theme. And, and I don't think they push that theme very hard in the movie. I think they, they just say, they kind of ensure that, or they kind of just tell you that like they're going to stay in the matrix and make it a paradise. But I, I kind of thought of that. And I thought that it was like, yeah, I thought it was very interesting. I don't even know if it was like, they're going to make it a paradise. Cause for me, it felt what I thought about it again was like the, the willingness of, uh, the creator to be involved with this anymore. And it was, it was more for me, it was kind of a statement of like, uh, I'm <laughs> as long as this exists, I'm going to exert myself <laughs> into it or whatever. I, or maybe this is even like the end. Like maybe there's sort of a unknown of like what would happen next. That's, that's there too. Well, and I guess so Neo and Trinity, um, neither one of them are like, in the machine city and they are what was powering the matrix. And so neither, like neither one are there. So I actually just wonder if the matrix is even sustainable. Oh know. yeah. I don't know if they say it's exclusively powered by them. Hmm. I de- I definitely am due for a rewatch of this. I saw it opening night, man. I think I'm going to watch it tonight. I felt it more of like it- that, that that's, they wanted to control them specifically to anal like to analyze them because of you know the because of the architect's foolish assumption that they that Neo would pick this obvious choice that they set up you know and, and instead like this longing this love tore everything apart for them and I I think that was sort of like okay, well, how we still want to harness him. We want to harness him and his ability, and uh, but we need a better form of control, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, because we need a... them, but we can't, we can't keep them too close, because you see in this world, if you hold hands with someone, it causes an explosion. That's how powerful love is. It's such a, like, a good... It's such a good theme, I feel like. Like, and really, uh, like we were talking about earlier about how, like, how you know, what is the Matrix, and at the end of it, it's clear that it's about love. And I think that maybe that is another reason that people didn't, you know, love this movie because, like, I think to a lot of people that just watch the Matrix and they sit down and they watch it on TV if it's on, it like it is about all those other superficial things like bullet time and leather and and kung fu and stuff like that, and like. I think if you're a fan of The Matrix, like a real fan of The Matrix, you you kind of realize that these movies are about love and a love story. And that is never more evident, I feel like, than in this movie when, you know, the the entire premise is based around Neo and Trinity trying to, to find each other again. So, yeah, I, I think that it's like, it's just like really well done, I feel like. I, I saw the criticisms. I can understand some of the criticisms about it being maybe a little bit too meta. There's not that one, like spectacular fight scene um it can be a little bit confusing i guess if you're going in without like a pretty decent knowledge of the matrix but like man this was like 
such a movie for Matrix fans, and it was such a, like an interesting commentary on modern society and modern, just like the world we live in. I, I I thought that it was like a great addition to the Matrix canon. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, we didn't really talk about the scenes, but like I I feel like it's all sold on uh, those scenes of Neo and Trinity talking to each other um, in the coffee shop. Like I loved all those Mm -hmm. moments um, when Trinity's talking about uh, seeing herself in the game and like just her husband laughing at her and stuff like that. Like that all was really good stuff. And their yeah, their, their chemistry is impeccable. (laughs) Yeah. And they, they still got that chemistry. Uh, God, like over 20 years later, Uh, those are really interesting scenes, actually, particularly you pointed out the, uh, the scene where she like wants to kick her husband in. I thought that was pretty intense, actually. But I think that, um, again, going back to that thing I was talking about earlier, where it's just like, it's, it's unsettling this world. Like, man, when she introduces herself as Tiffany, it's just like, it just, it's not right. And like, it, it really hammers home how like not right this is, um, but what's like, funny, you kind of have it. What's funny about that too? You said it earlier that it's her real name, but it's not even her real name. It's the architect, you know, yeah. decided that's her name. Uh, it, they even make a reference to it because she's like Tiffany, really. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I I like that element of like, like she's given this false identity, and this yeah, she has no say in it. It's kind of like interesting too because the, it very much is what the analyst says it is where it's like they're so they're longing for each other but they just can't seem to get to each other even though they're face to face. Um and I and maybe that's another like frustrating bit for people that watch this because it takes like essentially the whole movie for them to get together and start like whipping butt but yeah like, like again it's like that's it's holding it back promise. and it's holding it back but then yeah like when you get it it's like this is awesome. Yeah, that final that yeah, that final moment is one of the best moments in the whole series, I think. Like the final moment where she catches him in the yeah. air. I yeah. was yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I was uh I was weepy. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, I mean like this I thought that this was like a, a fantastic addition to the matrix and and it's you know it's not a movie for everybody but like in in the sea of like you know superhero films and stuff like that at least like i had questions going home i had thoughts it like it stuck with me and and i'm still thinking about some of the themes later thinking about like you know just like some of the ideas that are presented like would machines end up fighting each other? Would we live harm? Like, I just like movies like that, that, that stick mm. with you. And I, I do like you know, that, I, that element of, um, like living harmonious with machines or, or whatever. I just like, Oh, I thought that was so good. Um, because it made, you know what it, that also made me think of, um, final fantasy seven. Um, because they're, I think in both people, sort of take this um message away that's sort of false that's like it's kind of anti um technology or something when it's really anti like uh alienating yourself from 
your humanity or whatever because of um mm-hmm. well i guess it, corporate use of technology and and harmful use of it you know cuz you have the you have like in that you have the villain that's like a pure science experiment oh yeah Shin- shinra is like yeah and and the and like the opposing spell to defeat him is actually cast by this woman who's uh synthesis she's the spawn of both a scientist and a uh natural god you know and so i think they're they're sort of representing the like uh human bond <laughs> with with uh nature <laughs> even with someone who's uh you know technologically capable and i get that from this movie there's you know programs and stuff like that who they uh they actually uh work together and they make strawberries like that's great i i thought it was great and i i don't like you if you're making fun of that scene anybody it's a great scene <laughs> yeah that was cool uh yeah i i thought that was quite inspiring seeing like all the even the machines on the crew i think were were pretty cool and like yeah see morpheus when he was in real life was was pretty yeah. awesome it's um, um yeah it's odd, like there's parts of it that are odd and like strange and or whatever um, but overall, I would say it's it's like a very sincere, heartfelt film from a real person, and <laughs> I just don't think you really get that with a lot of other um, movies like that you mentioned. Like they might have some might have nice stories or whatever, but I think a lot of these movies are first and foremost built around scenes like we did they like in this movie where they're just like what. What what do we give everyone? How do we give everyone what they want? You know, um, and it's just I always love seeing a movie that's just made by a person with a point of view that they are trying to yeah. express. Uh, yeah, this movie had something to say about multiple things, and like that just stays with me so much more than you know some of the other movies that we've talked about. And you know what, like. I think that you actually mentioned this. I don't know if you mentioned this on air, off air, whatever. But, like, I feel like this movie, even though it's a satire, like, takes itself seriously, which I appreciate. Like, it, it, it's not, like, saying to you, like, none of this is goofy and doesn't matter and it's not worth your investment. Like, there are some goofy moments and stuff like that. But, like, I, again, and now I mean a dump on, like, Spider-Man here. Like, you go watch that and, like, nobody's ever really taken anything seriously. Like, Dr. Octopus is, like... My name is Otto Octavius, and, like, Peter Parker and, and MJ just start laughing at him, like, really? Like, that's that's dumb. Like, and it's, they might as well just be like, hey, guys, this is so dumb that this guy's name is Otto it, Octavius. Like, what a comic book name. I've heard it described as, and I, I really relate to this, but it's uh, the movie giving people permission to think it's silly because it knows it's silly. Yeah. And and people cannot, like, there, there hit a time where we just no longer could accept that people cannot just like handle watching a movie that's like silly, but doesn't know it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, and I think maybe we just watch so many movies that are (laughs) silly that, uh, at this point, that's kind of what I look I kind of like. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you said it and I think it's absolutely true. Cause like, you know, I mean, Matrix is basically the same kind of idea as, like, a superhero movie, right? Like, it's it's not that far removed from. But, like, yeah, I, I just... 
I, I appreciate that it's like, not that it doesn't give you permission, because I mean, it, it asks you to ask questions and to... Oh yeah, it's it's to, like meta and stuff like that, for sure, yeah. but it's never, it's but, never like... It's Boy. not just like, oh, hey guys, this this whole thing is like so like ridiculous. Hey, like who would ever, you know, who would want to um, see that? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I, I felt like uh, after after watching that that, that Doc Ock scene stuck with me in Spider Man actually particularly because I was just like, ugh, like why are they laughing at this guy? Like that's a cool villain. Mm. That's like a he had a really awesome emotional arc in in Spider Man Two, and it's just like comes to the mcu and I, it's like <laughs> you're you know what i mean i think there was like i saw someone um post a clip of like when they uh th- like of that scene and then like the scene from spider-man 2 where j jonas jameson like names him and they also make a joke mm-hmm. out of his name but i think it's it comes off better because it's like they make an actual joke. It's like a clever, funny joke that someone like him would say. Yeah. Whereas like in the clip I saw, I haven't even seen this movie yet, but the clip I saw is just them going, what? Oh, that's your name. You know, it's not like, that's, that's like humor now. Like people, we don't write, this is me. My, I'm the Merovingian. We don't write, people don't write jokes anymore. They just have like, they just bring up the source material and go, uh, okay, really? <laughs> or like, they just go like, oh, like <laughs> there's that scene in a uh, um, Rise of Skywalker where one of the stormtroopers starts like flying, and the characters go, "They fly now, uh, they fly now." <laughs> like that's what humor is now. It's not no jokes. <laughs> it's just characters going, "Well, that's crazy." <laughs> um, you know what it is. You know what it is with with Peter Parker bearing Otto Octavius? That is the same way that John Cena would come out and he would laugh off his opponents as if they were no big deal and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, he just I buries just, like, him. Yeah. I, the Matrix, dude, like, yeah, it's, it's totally goofy. You're in this meta universe and stuff like that, but it wants you to believe that, like, Smith is is a powerful foe, and he is. It wants you to believe that Neo and Trinity are help, are helpless in the power of the analyst because they are. It like it's it's just like care. yeah, we got these goofy yeah, like this is this is crazy, but like this is I don't know this is this is like serious, and you you can invest in this, and we're not going to make you feel dumb about caring about what happens to Neo and about what happens there. to Trinity, and like we want you to actually care about these characters, whereas like. You know, in a lot of movies, it's just like, oh, this dude's just here. He's just here. Like, we don't need to get too attached or whatever, because like, you know, they're they're telling us, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. There was maybe one Marvel style joke in this movie, uh, where oh god, what, what was it? Towards the end, when they're like, they're trying to escape, and uh, <laughs> it's not as extreme, but they're like, they say to Neo, "Can you fly?" And he try- he does the little hop, and he gets nothing, and he looks, and he goes, <laughs> "That's not happening." <laughs> you know what? Okay, I'll I'll give him that. He said it more sincerely, <laughs> like in a Keanu voice, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a good, an uh, awesome yeah. movie, actually. I don't know why we spent so long. I, I agree. Clarifying every point, why. I can see if it's not for you. It doesn't matter. This was awesome. I just like it's one of those things where like I just I just I like I think people are missing the point about it, which is like really too bad, you know? Um Yeah. And, and I like I want people to like this, 
but I guess at the same time, like, like, uh, I read it, I, I think it was a Polygon review, and it's like, you know, that this movie doesn't go down like a blue pill is probably a good thing, and I guess I, I kind of agree with that in a way, but, like, I, I, like, I don't know, I, it's too bad that I, I do think people are missing the point, and it's funny that people think it's silly because it's not giving you permission to think it's silly, you know? It's funny how that yeah. works. It's, no, it's good. Yeah, I think the bigger problem is probably just that it, it doesn't have those um, hallmarks of the Matrix. I think that's probably the biggest holdup for a lot of people. Uh, in the ba- mm-hmm. And even, like, with what we're saying of, like, well, some of these things are, are th- there are things that are, like, purposely satirizing or there's some things they're not interested in doing, whatever the reason. I've seen kind of the bad faith I- interpretation of that is people saying, oh, they made a bad movie on purpose as a satire. That just makes it a bad movie. And it's like, no, did not say it's a bad movie on purpose. I didn't say it's bad in any way. Like, I just see people kind of, I've seen, like, people misinterpreting even, like, the the, uh, defense of the movie, you know? So I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. just, like, maybe you're just not on the same wavelength. I don't know. Dude, you want to talk about that post credit scene? <laughs> uh, not really. I don't know. Yeah. It was fine. That was that was a little bit goofy. Yeah. yeah. We get up in your brain space. That's all I remember from that guy. Oh, I remember uh, the Meowtrix. The Meowtrix. Yeah. yeah, that was the actual post credit scene. Yeah, that was stupid. Um, but it that also made me think about how like I'm I'm actually tired of post credit scenes and like you know what yeah I thought that it was like it like it was so dumb I thought it was actually like mocking post credit scenes like like fuck you if you stuck around for this this is what you get <laughs> there, yeah you know, like something totally to, not worth to it to the point of and I I think this is not the same thing but there's times of the movies where times in the movie where it's like you think you want this don't you like the bullet time or whatever um, and so I could see how people are like, that's, that's just makes it bad and not, inter- mm-hmm. but anyway, I disagree with that, but that's a little bit of that scene. It was like, oh, you thought there would be some sequel t- teaser in the post credits? Like, no, meow tricks. I, that is like a hundred percent what I took it as. I was laughing my ass off when that happened. Cause yes. I was like, we all just got punked for like staying an extra 10 minutes to wait for these like ginormous credits to get this cat I will scene. say I I didn't see that until I rewatched it and had it on in the background while I was doing something and it just played out I left the movie theater when I saw it because I just assumed this movie wouldn't have one and I didn't care you know what I mean I was just like oh mm-hmm. I'm I saw the movie and I'm satisfied and sometimes I just stick around for the credits just to listen to the music and re- read some of the names not even you know I'll do that for a movie that I know won't have a post credit scene but in this case I was just like yeah good movie all right let's go <laughs> let's get home I I didn't need no, nothing wrong I with that I had no need to be like oh what if what if we see the post credits <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne is really alive and you know wow what <laughs> if this actually begs the question. Um, yeah. Speaking of giving fans whatever they want, give give me the fan 
my sloppy little treats that I can gobble up. This just made me think. I think we need to put Carrie Ann Moss in John Wick. The time has come. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew it. I think it's. I yes. Think that's the because there's been great fan service in John Wick. And I think it's the good kind because they're like, we're going to make an awesome movie. <laughs> anyway, I want that. I want to see all of the all of the characters. Cute. Cute. Imagine. Oh, my God. It would be sick, actually, if like they had Carrie Ann Moss and like an assassin role going after John. And you could see them. Yeah duke it out because you never really see that in the matrix that would be that would be awesome i know and they're they, we got to do it soon because oh, they're bad they can't do like that's probably also an element of this movie is they can't do kung fu forever you know oh totally <laughs> they'll do yeah. it but, but you know i i thought that that was actually uh the lack of kung fu i thought was fine like having the younger guys kind of be more of the kung fu guys <laughs> i think was yeah. fine because it's not like they hide away from the fact that like neo and trinity have aged in this movie like they've been in this new matrix for 60 years i think at this point yeah they haven't aged as quickly apparently that was an element yeah but like they you know the movie still tells you that they have aged i mean like you look at naobi she's like you know 100 years old so they look they look great Uh, by the way neo looked neo looked great when he when he was bald and came out of the matrix i was just like holy smokes really cool to see keanu all cut down yeah. like that because you normally see him either the long hair or beard, beard. yeah <laughs> it was great i loved it i loved that scene because i was like dude this guy looks like he has an age today it was awesome I love, I love keanu reeves there we go all right do you have any other thoughts on the matrix resurrections here <sighs> i know we were kind of more all over the place than usual i think i think i said most of what i sort of felt about it uh yeah i love i loved it uh I liked, um, yeah, I liked everyone in it, and uh, I would, even though it ends, it ends in a similar way to the original, where it's like, okay, I actually don't need to know more. <laughs> um, right. If she, I mean, I'll probably see whatever they make, but I would actually be more interested in if Lana Wachowski wanted to continue the story. I would just, because I when it ends, I'm sort of like, I can't even imagine, like, I can't imagine what you could do that would even be, in like, satisfying to explore or something, but I sort of have faith in, in her to, like, come up with something interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I you know, I would totally be down to see more sequels and more entries into The Matrix, but I wouldn't... I wouldn't want it to get Star Wars to where it's like taken away from like the creator and given to someone else, even though those movies might be better in a lot of ways. Like I just, I wouldn't want to see that happen. So yeah. like if in another 15 years they, they make a new matrix, but like it doesn't have the Wachowskis. I think that would be like a major bummer. That's, that's um, actually why like I saw a lot of like last Jedi comparisons to this. And I think the key difference here is that it, it, fe- it feels a little bit more authentic in this because it does feel like the creator trying to reckon with their work. And I think the better comparison mm-hmm. of this is actually the Star Wars prequels <laughs> more more than anything. Um, oh, but, yeah. Um, you know, I can see some of the similarities to something like The Last Jedi, but overall, I I don't think it works on that same level. 
All right. Well, I love this movie. I thought it was great. I'm going to go watch it again. Um, and yeah, if you're if you're on the fence about this, don't listen to all the critics. Don't like, go see this yourself. Yeah. Uh, go and check this movie mind. out yourself. Take the red pill, by God. Yeah, join the winning. Take that team. pill. Um, all right. Well, we are going to get out of here. Uh, we, of course... I want to encourage everybody to check us out over on Twitter at Virtual Theater X at Spateri316 at Gooey Fame. And check us out on SoundCloud and wherever you get your podcasts. And by God, check us out over on Patreon. Right before we started this, we we just wrapped up another uh another winning episode on Captain <laughs> N, the game master. So <laughs> go check that out. Uh yeah, that's that's all she wrote for the Matrix. I am so happy that this came out. Love the movie. And uh, yeah, this was fun. Yeah, that was great. All right, well let's let's sneak on out of here. I'm s- quietly I'm but sneaking. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>